We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions, and now they want to help even more. With a Credit Karma Money Spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. When you use your Credit Karma Money debit card, you can win daily Instant Karma purchase reimbursements on items up to $5,000. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot, and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Credit Karma Money has already given away over $3 million in Instant Karma to 50,000 Credit Karma members and counting. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll be automatically entered to win $1 million. Credit Karma Money. Progress starts here. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to sign up for free and start winning instant karma. That's creditkarma.com backslash winmoney. Instant karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MBB Bank Incorporated, member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius and Mike. And the Lakers beat the Orlando Magic yesterday, but not without some consternation. It was a very weird game. They were up by 12 after the first quarter, got completely dominated in a, in a second quarter where Orlando scored 40 points, outplayed Orlando a little bit in the third quarter, and then took over in the fourth to win the game. And Darius, that is one of the most annoyed game. Uh, Darius, that is 
some of the most annoyed I've seen you this entire season. So I would love to hear you you went in a couple of different directions. Take it in whichever one you'd like, because I think that it it makes for some really interesting discussion points on not where this team is, but also where it's going. Yeah. So normally I try to be a patient person. And I think I've been preaching patience, particularly around this iteration of the team with Anthony Davis just just coming back. And I thought AD coming out strong and hitting his jumper and, and sort of looking, at least at the beginning of the game, the best that he had um, since his return was very encouraging to me. That said, there's only 11 games left in the season now. There is not a lot of time left in the regular season. And Pete, I think this was something that you were stressing on the last podcast, right? About, hey, man. Like I'm on Dennis's side here. It, it's it's sort of time to to start to lock in a little bit. And I think for me, my irritation came more from the standpoint of the Magic are not a good team, and the Lakers sort of showed that they were much better than them in the first part of the game, and then they let go of the rope completely, and. In the context of that, there are things I'm seeing with this team that are warning signs. Yeah, what are the bigger, aside from just the Orlando game, what are the bigger picture things that you saw in the Orlando game? The shooting struggles, I think, are are an ongoing trend. But I think for me, it's more some of the defensive miscues and the number of players who the Lakers are currently playing that sort of actively take things off of the table, particularly defensively. And for a team that has built its identity around being a top defensive team and for a team that is at the top of the league in terms of defensive rating, there's, I don't want to say fool's gold, right? Because when they lock in, they are elite. But there are, to me, just a handful of players who like, man, you guys are still making mistakes defensively. And some of that is, is focus based, but some of it is ability based to me. And I think a couple of guys, one of them in particular is Andre Drummond, who I think is playing fine. Right. I think he's playing about as well or within the range of what you'd expect from Andre Drummond. But there are some things to me that I'm seeing, at least, where I'm just like, man, like that's a play where he either doesn't seem to have awareness of what is going on in that particular play, or he just doesn't have the ability or the defensive instincts that are at a level that I think the Lakers are going to need from their starting center especially their starting center who they are clearly prioritizing and someone who they want to lean on. The structure of this team is different from last year's team in that last year you had JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard and they were key players, but they were bit players. And the Lakers seem to be prioritizing Drummond in a way where they clearly think or or are grooming him to be a guy who could play 28 to 32 minutes, like starter level minutes. And that was not true with any of their centers last year. And 
if you're going to allocate that sized role to Andre Drummond, there are a lot of things that he takes off of the table to me. And that matters when projecting what their ceiling is from over long stretches of, of a basketball game. Does, does that make sense to you guys? And I don't want to pinpoint things on Drummond. He's just an example that, that I was seeing like, one of the first plays of the game on Orlando's first basket, AD was sort of out like at the elbow area and Wendell Carter Jr. just sort of ripped through and get like a dunk. And it's sort of like there's positioning things, there are angles things, there's awareness things. And I'm just like, man, last night it just bothered me. The takeaways from this game aren't too different from what we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks. It just happened to be that that second quarter was sort of the peak uh, bad side of what we've been seeing lately. And I think that, of course, they straightened it out in the second half, as expected. And if you look at the game overall, just starting with Drummond. So, you know, he was pretty good overall. Six straight from the field, 13 points, 11 boards, two blocks, one steal, no turnovers. You know, so that that kind of production is some compilation of JaVale and Dwight from last year. And that's really how I look at him more. It's that he's those two together were often playing somewhere between 20 and 30 minutes, especially like as the the playoffs wore on. And so that's how I'm, I think that he will, he will become even more of a complimentary piece once LeBron gets back. And then he's even more free to just do that stuff. So I'm a little bit less worried about Drummond, although of course there are going to be some mistakes. There's going to be some miscues. He and AD weren't on the same page a couple of times. Frank Vogel acknowledged it. But he still, I think, gives you more um, than he takes than he taketh away. And the really poor stretch of that second quarter, especially, started at the beginning of the quarter. And this is with three guys that are probably not going to be on the floor together, certainly, from a defensive standpoint. And that's THT, uh, that's Harrell, and that's Ben McLemore. And there were just those guys are going to make mistakes. Uh, and, you know, Pete, you pointed some of these out in the chat specifically, like, I, I think that the rotation plays some of that stuff out where if Macklemore's in, he's in with a protected unit where he's just where he's in with defenders and he's just there to shoot threes. Um, when THT's in, same thing to an extent. Um, when Harrell is in, I think in big playoff type moments, I don't think he's going to be left alone on an island you know, defensively at the five. I think that those are good lineups for AD to be in there too, where or or even LeBron to an extent. But so it's just it's stuff that when when all when you're going deep into the rotation and you have to because of injuries, the the weaknesses of the team are gonna sh- are gonna show up more, and we weren't used to seeing that as much last season except for once they got into the bubble. And what were all the conversations like? Same kind of thing, and there were breakdowns everywhere. And it's like, well, yeah, you know, Dean Waiters is playing 20 minutes, J.R. Smith is playing 15 minutes. Like these guys don't know the defensive system yet. And uh, Markeith Morris at that point was still getting integrated. So, uh, Pete, I, I wonder what stood out to you the most. But I'm I'm trying to I guess what I was trying to do there is put that awful second quarter into some context and then try to bring a little bit of the focus back to, you know, A.D., for example, looking closer to A.D. Yeah, let's let's start with the the bench, that second unit in that second quarter. And then I do want to talk about Drummond and, and address some of the things that Darius said. That lineup that had THT, McLemore. Keefe, Trez, and Dennis, those were our four worst defenders in our rotation, or probably on the roster, right? But everybody except for Dennis. And so having those four guys on the floor at the same time, I was I was like, this is not a very serious lineup. 
and things started to slip away. And you're absolutely right. I did see a switch more, which I thought was interesting in last night's game. Um, I, I'm starting to pay more attention to what are the things that we're working on from one night to the next. I also think that there's a certain amount when LeBron comes back, there's going to be a certain amount of dad is home. And we did not take that game particularly seriously, right? With all of the the trades that Orlando made, they're shorthanded. There was a lot of, like, Dennis's defense was not great, not up to his standards for most of the night. KCP, Kuz, uh, several of the guys that have the capability, of course, but I'm watching them in, in the rewatch last night. They're getting beat by guys that have no business beating them. Just a quick note on that. They they thought they started the game with the proper defensive intensity and focus and that mm-hmm. they held they held Orlando to 16 points. And what we, we do see this a lot, so I'm not going to completely go crazy over it. They just took their foot off the gas. They're like, OK, this Orlando team doesn't have any talent. We're up by 16. Basically, game's over. And then guys lost focus. That's what and- I saw early, at least. For for sure. And I think that part of that manifested in turnovers as well, right? That's uh, one thing with AD he had five turnovers and some of his moves right now are a little bit mechanical and a half step slow. And so he'll, you know, make a move middle and then drop step baseline, not remembering that that as soon as he turns his back, that help defender is going to come by and knock it off of his knee or something like that. Right. And so we had, I think, seven turnovers in that second quarter, which got them out on the break, out on the run, and they scored several points off of that. So it was 100 percent a foot off the gas in the second quarter issue. That said, I don't. I don't think what Darius is saying is completely off the mark either that there are you made some you had some tweets last night where you're talking about guys taking things off of the table with respect to Drummond in particular. I I would contend that on the rewatches, he doesn't make as many mistakes as it seems like he does, but he makes really bad mistakes. That first play you were talking about, uh, usually a set play for any team to start the game and they were setting a ram screen which is a screen the screener type of play right and so they were setting a ram screen on drummond's guy and drummond tried to loop around to beat him to the spot right and so the so his forgive me there they're such a uh a, a skeleton crew i don't remember who their starting five was in that game uh who broke that off but he faded his route and caught it and drummond came up the other side and he just walked waltzed in for a dunk yeah they, i think they, it was wendell carter i it think was, it was carter jr yeah thank you wendell carter right and they tried the same play for carter on uh at the beginning of the of the third quarter and ad rotated over and forced an, an air ball little jump hook uh shot right there so with Drummond in particular, there was that play against Dwight Powell, remember, where they gave him the ball and he was anticipating a handoff. And he goes and he stands like anticipating the handoff to Luca. And Powell just goes, OK, I'm going to fake this handoff and drive right to the basket at the beginning of the Dallas, the second Dallas game. And Drummond makes mistakes that anybody can see. Right. And you watch them and you go, come on, man. I would just contend that his mistakes tend to be louder than and, and he's making several solid plays throughout the rest of the game yes. that you don't you don't see as much. And I know you see them, right? Yes. But yes. But yes. he's I'm not a blessed. he's not a bad player. Sorry. Like I I, I don't want to jump on the side of Drummond's a bad player because he's not. 
And one of the things, sorry, Pete, one of the things I'm trying to synthesize here is the idea that the ceiling can be higher for this team, but the floor can also be lower because one of the key themes from last year's team is that while they were not as talented as this year's team, the players within the context of their roles took less things off of the table within the context of their roles. And this year's team, there are going to be asks on players that are bigger than the asks that were put on some of the complementary players to LeBron and, and AD last season. And because of the individual talent level of those players, if they play well to their talent, within the context of those large, larger roles, the Lakers ceiling gets higher because the talent is just there. That said, some of the, some of the small nuances in their games that are not as strong, that are weaker, those show up more in the context of a bigger ask and a larger role. And so in the Drummond example, he, if, if he's not aware or is not playing within the context of there are three or four different options within this play, and I need to be locked into all of them. It's not a one-option play where I can sort of play to my one thing and I'm going to take that away. The errors or the miscues or, or even the inability to compensate when you overdo things in one direction, those things show up more. And it doesn't need to be a big thing. It can be small things, too. Yeah, plan B and plan C can sneak up on him sometimes. It's it's not even necessarily that it's go time, right? Although I do think the Lakers are getting closer to, to that point where it is time to sort of like, Mike, it doesn't matter that the other team is less talented or has a bunch of guys out or whatever. It's sort of time to be a more cohesive group. It's sort of time to to lock in. It's It's getting closer to... To that period, the Lakers just lost back-to-back games versus a team that is directly behind them in the standings. I know that as much as the Lakers may or may not be concerned about the standings, playing better should be a goal, right? Like, it's not about the losses. It's the process in which they lose and the level to which they're playing. And the second quarter was an abomination, right, against the Magic. But there were too many other stretches during that game where I thought, nah, man, like y'all heads aren't in it right now. Like, and if Dennis and AD and the stars who are so much more talented than pretty much any player that the Magic had, if they, the reason why the game ended the way that they did is because the Lakers finally played to their talent and they finally sort of locked in. But the idea that they're going to be able to do that in more meaningful games against better opponents, that should start to be a shift that they're making regardless of opponent strength. And if they cannot make it now, calling on that in critical moments, it's it's going to be hit or miss too many times. And it's not something that last year's team particularly had an issue with. Yeah, last year's team was so unique in the sense of the season was so ridiculous in in terms of the pandemic and then the stoppage and the bubble. But 
the Lakers were, were basically healthy throughout the regular season up until the point, and they had something to prove from the beginning. LeBron hadn't made the playoffs the previous year yeah. before. AD had gotten there. So this was a team that they basically took the whole regular season seriously. And I think that it's tougher. It's a little tougher to gauge the defending champion season for competitiveness than it is the season where you're trying to prove something. And that's something that we've noticed for this year. But they haven't even re- other than that February stretch, they haven't even really had a chance to show that because of the injuries. But my thinking, Darius, is that LeBron's return is going to symbolize some of that. The second that he steps on the floor, I think Shooter's Shooter's been hinting at this. Kuzma's been hinting at this. AD even. He's the guy that is then going to say, all right, guys, let's time to go. Right, LeBron, AD isn't really going to do that yet. AD is trying to get himself going. I think that he will then shift into that a bit more once LeBron does. But that's part of it. The flip side, though, to that, Pete, is that they are, I think, still going to be in pretty good shape to be in that four or five mix. And there isn't necessarily a team like I get that they're going to play the Clippers again uh, in May, right? They're going to play Denver, but I don't know if those are going to be games where they say, okay, we have to, we have to win this to sort of show that we, we can be a cohesive team and win these games together. But I do hope that they do just for sake of Darius almost alone. If, if the Lakers come (laughs) and don't play focused and hard, uh, in, in some of these May games, once everybody's back, uh, then we're going to have more of these podcast moments. And I, and I know it's going to bother you. And it's probably going to bother me if I'm trying to still do this whole flip side thing and they haven't pulled it together for at least a game or two. So I'm I'm coming around, Darius, to that. I want it to happen. I want them to show the full capability, the full force of the purple and gold this year when healthy. And I think that we're going to see it at least for a couple games in May. I think so, too. Uh, Let's take a quick break. And a big part of that is Anthony Davis. I thought last night was the best that he'd looked, even if it wasn't perfect. So we'll continue covering, uh, you know, his his return. So AD comes out, like Darius said, jumper working, right? It's his first three three jumpers uh has some turnover issues in the second half or in the second quarter and then uh ends up closing the game out with a three there uh, he hits a nice step back that was a, a great possession toward the end of the game of like i'm gonna use this go-to move of mine he started getting a little bit more of a rhythm that darius how how close would you estimate he is to getting to where he needs to be I mean, offensively, probably based off of last night's game, if he can build on on the Orlando game offensively, I think he's probably at 75 percent like the stuff there's timing stuff and there's handle stuff like. just Yeah, the handles is more. Yeah. And the handle is a big part of his game as it is. as mm-hmm. a sort of big shot creator when Wing. the mm-hmm. way that the Lakers use him. Right. And if he's sloppy with his handle, it's going to show up in turnovers. It's it's going to show up in timing and balance stuff. And he's such a good athlete and such a good shot maker. He can compensate for some of that, that he can be off balance a little bit. Right. But sharpness is going to ultimately lead to even better results offensively. And so that's why I would say about 75 or 80 percent offensively, defensively. I'm not sure he's less close, like 50%, 60%. Oh, interesting. I, I I actually think he's further ahead on the defensive end than he is on offense. There are moments where I think that, for sure. And 
Um, like that first play of the game, for example, that was AD was just standing there. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's chemistry stuff and sort of knowing your teammates and, and mm-hmm. like communication stuff. And then there's also just sort of activity and a level that he can get to defensively where he really is just a destroyer of worlds out there. And so I'm sort of measuring him against his own peak. Right. <clears throat> Which is best defensive player in the world peak and when i look at him now he's maybe 50 or 60 percent of that player right so that doesn't but that doesn't mean that he's still not a very it's it's like the arguments that we make for lebron right he can be 80 percent of his normal self and still be a top 15 player in the entire league like who else is that true for you have to be truly special and so ad can be one of the top 50 or 60 defensive players in the world and only be half of his peak output right and and so i don't want to make it seem like he's playing bad defensively because he's not he's just not close to me of where he was in last year's playoffs so in, in terms of he's rounding into form, which is good. Like the Orlando game was the best game that he's played. And, and it's just like, okay, like let's get more of that. And some of these steps will be small and some of them will be big. I hope over the last 10 or 11 games, he has a few more small steps, a couple of big steps. And then suddenly he's at 85 or 90% of the player on both sides of the ball that he, that you sort of want him to be. And then throughout the playoffs, you hope he can continue to ramp up. Players typically, the way that they progress, even if it's a young player, Talon fits this description as well for an entirely different reason, is they will get their own they will get their own game under control and have a command of their own game. And then as they get older, they start to understand the five on five game more. And that goes into the communication and chemistry, rotations, understanding your teammates, things like that. That's the point where I see AD right now is between he's starting to look like himself in terms of his, his jumper, right? His, um, his ball handling, like his dribble moves, they look like him, him. He just doesn't have the timing of it down quite yet. Uh, and so that to me is the next progression and really where his combination with, with Drummond in particular, they've continued to lean on that duo. They went, they went away from it a couple of times. There were some minutes, at least in this last game where AD was on the court and Drummond was not and vice versa. But this is the point, Mike, where I see them starting to build out that chemistry. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on just the the building blocks that they have to build off of and what, what we've seen. Because we've seen some flashes of them being maybe a little too slow on the defensive end for communication reasons, for getting up to speed physically and all of that. But we've also seen some dominate around the basket, you know, on the offensive boards. You can see how this could be really good, but you could also see how they, they may be a step slow. Yeah, I think I just in watching the last couple of games, I think I would agree with Darius about his offense and his defense and kind of the splits. But I, I think you're right in a way too, Pete. I think it's because of AD's mindset. And I think that for him, he knows that as long as his body feels close to right, which which it does, his body feels great. He said that after every game, that he can always click the defense on. And I think that that will come. 
Uh, I think that offensively, he recognizes that he needs he just needs to get some shots up. He needs to see the ball go through. The, he he literally, as you saw in those last two jump shots, had to see a three pointer go in. That was just uh-huh. top of mind for him. Right. You could you could just he yep. was forcing it. He was pushing it. He was going to keep taking threes, uh, even if they miss, because to him, that was what was going to signify some level of offensive rhythm. And so since he was focused on that more, um, the defense, I think he had not even necessarily mistakes that he just wasn't erasing the other team's stuff like he can do whenever he's locked in. And that to me is, is the, is, is what we saw in these three games. I think that as the time goes on, the defense is just going to come up a little bit every game until the point where there's the first, whatever they, on their calendar, they consider the first big game. Let's say, you know, LeBron is back hopefully in May. They play Denver um, on that second end of the back-to-back in the third. They play Toronto on Sunday. We don't know this. I'm certainly not reporting anything, but Dennis Schroeder himself keeps saying LeBron is close. LeBron posted the video on IG. Let's just say and hope that LeBron's back for one of those two games. I could see an AD defensive effort there flying around while he encourages LeBron to get going offensively uh, to some in the, in the sort of shooter. Same thing. Like shooter is going to then who's been awesome, by the way, uh, Pete, that's a whole nother Amazing, thing. Amazing. Yeah. You know, shooter kept talking about how LeBron is like, Hey, when I come back, don't stop being shooter. But I think there's going to be a, a, a certain amount of everybody that wants to see LeBron go off on offense. And we'll have that same conversation. But I just, I wanted to highlight that point that Darius made, because I do think watching it, I think AD has been a little bit more focused on his offense than on his defense. I don't want to go back to the conversation from the first half of the pod. I actually, I was going to set you up for that, actually. Yeah, so let's let's do that because I do think that the idea of taking things off the table versus putting them on is interesting in context with LeBron returning, with AD getting back up to speed and focusing more on his offense than his defense, like Mike says. Cause, cause, so I, I agree. I think these all tie in together. Well, I just think that there's an idea of you get LeBron and AD back and, you know, off to the races – Right. Everything's going to click happily, happily ever. Everyone, is going, everyone <laughs> is going to be fine. And there's definitely look, if that happened, I don't think anyone would be surprised. Uh, like the, LeBron and AD are that good. The they're, they're your margin for error, Darius. Like they but they don't guarantee anything, but they give you a great deal of margin for error. But we could certainly exhaust that. And we've got like you said, we, we make mistakes to the point where that could be the case. But there's an ability to summon that that I think we can sometimes take that part for granted too, right? And it, I don't want to, you, you know, I don't want to be all pundity and uh, talking head and here I am on first take, right? And so I don't want to go in that direction and start to talk about, well, the Clippers last year, they thought that they, right? Because I think that there's a lot of bloviating around ideas like that, that personally, I don't like in terms of, and call and calling that analysis. What, what I will say is though, is that yes, LeBron and AD are amazing and they are Pete, your margin for error. The, but Basketball is not tennis. It's not golf. It's not this dude is great. And so he's just going to go out there and kick your ass over and over again. Like that can happen. Right. But there are too many moving parts. There are too many 
partnerships, one, two man game, three man game, four man game, five man lineups, right? Like what is the center? What is the synergy like? What is the chemistry like? Who is covering for you? And then who is covering for the guy who's covering for you? And then are we getting back into rotation? Are we able to reset? Are we able to then reset and then flank out again? And do it over and over and over again in a single possession, over a five-minute stretch, over a 12-minute stretch, over a 36-minute stretch. And that is winning basketball. And there is a part of me and over – and I don't know how big this part is. Maybe it's 25%. Maybe it's 30%. Maybe it's 12%. But there is a part of me that feels that – just sort of putting your eggs in the LeBron and AD basket is there's danger. There's a certain amount of danger in that because you do need everyone else and that synergy to click. And it can't just be, Oh, daddy's home and he's going to bring home the bacon. And now we all eat because nah, man, someone's got to cook the meal and someone's got to set the table and someone's got to make sure that they did the dishes the night before. So we can set, set the table there. There's a lot of pieces to this that make you a winning team. First of all, I do like doing dishes. It's the one thing is that it, I've noticed that now that I'm getting older, I, the neck position isn't great yes. for me. Cause I'm not, I'm not huge on the dishwasher. Cause I like the instant satisfaction of being able to put the clean dish away as opposed to just saving for <laughs> anyway. So my, that's that, that I, I did them this morning and my neck's a little sore. Darius, I think I have good news for you. It's not like this team has just had a bunch of players who have all been trash while LeBron and AD have been out. So they're not they're You're not starting at zero. Kuzma has been pretty good overall. Schroeder has been great lately. Uh, KCP is on a really nice run. Uh, Caruso always plays well. I know that, of course, he's out with uh, with a sore back. We'll see how long, if any, games that he misses. He had to go out um, around halftime of the last game. And the, just to name those few, and I think you know Drummond's going to keep getting integrated. At least Harrell had a bounce back game. So I I do think that those guys having a chance to increase their roles and to find a rhythm, I think that that will will make it a little bit easier to get that instant sort of gratification that you were referring to is difficult to get when LeBron and AD come back together. Uh, I'd I'd be curious for both of your feedback on that, though. Yeah, I think that it it starts, you know, slotting guys into more natural roles. And but but even beyond that, it's there's just a level of focus that's not there yet for it's a mix of lack of focus from existing guys like I think Kuz has had a week or two where he's kind of coasted on the defensive end he hasn't played up to his capabilities in last night's game like I said KCP had a bunch of possessions that weren't great Dennis as well there's not there's not a sense of urgency that I see on the team that I have internally aside from Dennis right and that's why in the last pod I'm like I'm team Dennis because I'm already at that point of like hey it's go time let's go let's let's get into this but there's an argument to be made that they should have that for sure. But I, Darius, I can't get too concerned until I see them concerned. And it's not like the Clippers, right? Because this team did win a championship. That said, I do think that it's a dangerous game to play. This team did not win a championship, Pete. This team is trying to win a championship. Right. I'm not disregarding the point that every that what you guys are saying is real possible or even probable right 
And the whole, I'm not concerned until, like, I'm not concerned until they're concerned. Well, I've seen guys get in a boxing ring and not be concerned. And then basically, and then they're sleep. And then they're sleep. Right. And so there is a certain amount of, yeah, well, when LeBron gets back, the focus will be there. And it's just like, huh, that's an interesting perspective to me. If I mm-hmm. need somebody else to lock me in, then that's a problem for like, that's my problem. It's also, it's also Orlando. Look, in man, I hear you. 62. Like this isn't, this isn't a new thing. This is something that we've seen plenty of, of defending champion Lakers teams lose games. How many games did we lose to Charlotte by like 20 on the road with Kobe, with Shaq? This is not a problem that's unique to this roster. I'm with you, man. That's why I'm not putting all my eggs in the, oh, it's a focus thing basket. I'm saying that there's, there's some focus issues. There's some execution issues. There's sure. some energy issues. There's some like, oh, that's a talent deficiency issue. There's a roster construction. We're leaning more towards our centers when AD is our best center issue there's there's enough of these little things that when you stack them up on top of each other it's like i get more and more like huh i'm not exactly sure that you're go- that all of this stuff is going to be fixed by hey lebron is back right now can enough of it be recalibrated in in a way where they get back to being clearly the best team of course of course that's possible and i don't want to dismiss that out of hand as being a thing and i might even believe that when all of these guys get right and when you have when when you have a nucleus of five or six players who are battle tested together who are championship proven together Right. So that's LeBron. That's A.D. That's Kyle Kuzma. That's Alex Caruso. And um, I'm missing someone. That's KCP. Right. Mm. It's Kuzma. Like there are enough of those hold holdover guys that have that shared experience that sort of know what what it takes. And I'm not necessarily as worried about Dennis, but we will see if LeBron is in his ear, like keep being you keep like keep keeping you i i hope he takes that to heart because what i don't want is for lebron to come back and for there to be this natural sort of like all right big dogs home right now we all sort of have to fall back into a certain respect zone for what he's going going to bring and have that impact their focus and their mentality that he is supposed to then lift them up again because like that's a recipe that I'm not super fond of and, and I, like like I said I'm not burying this team there are just some warning signs that are sort of out there for me in the distance sure. and I talked about this some last year in 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 the playoffs too, Pete, when, when the Lakers were in the finals and I was just like, nah, man, like they are drifting a little bit towards this idea of, of we got this. And that's a dangerous, that's a dangerous place to be. Like it's, it's a dangerous place to be in the finals when you're up three games to one or, or three games to two, but it's even more dangerous when none of that is even started yet. 
And it's a tricky thing to me because I don't want to give it so much value that I think it sinks their 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 chances. But I do not want to ignore it as if it's nothing because I do not think it's nothing. This is just a, a fascinating aside to me on. I mean, has there ever been a team in sports in a team sport that hasn't had some of that? There, like, isn't that just human nature, even on the best, most competitive teams ever? Like, how can you not have some element of confidence or um, like, like it's just the the aspiration that you're speaking to, to me, just sounds um, like they won last year. They did have it. You know, that, that, that's I, I don't know what I'm uh, what I'm what I miss, what I'm failing to get at succinctly here. But all of this stuff that we've seen and we've been talking about is totally to be, have been expected. And it's not like when LeBron, it's not like they've been they've been completely terribly underachieving these last couple of weeks. Has it, these guys no. have been mostly fine. And then LeBron is the leader. So yes. of course, is it, so when he comes back, isn't he then going to, shouldn't we expect him to kick them into gear? There is a certain amount of that. Yes. What I'm saying is though, is that if that was the only thing, like if that was the only thing that I thought was like a concern for this team, then I would be like, ah, oh, well, you know, LeBron will be back. That's that. Like, I keep thinking of like, what is the formula for this specific team? And I think we've talked about this for a long time. And they want to bully you. They want to play physical. They want to get out in, in transition. LeBron helps with all of that stuff. Right. And in and I think there is there is a world that is maybe even likely that LeBron comes back. And everything falls into place exactly as as it should. And again, I don't want to dismiss that as as not as not only a possibility, I don't want to dismiss it like it's not even not likely. Right. Because if if on a scale to 100 what I, if me, th where I thought that fell in line, it would be over 50%, right? I also think though, that there's a good, that there's a non-zero chance and probably in, on that same scale of to 100, it's probably over 10 or over 15 that I think LeBron is ready, that AD is ready, Right but that there is not enough synergy and togetherness and that there are enough plays where you're relying on Dennis Schroeder to potentially be something that he cannot be or Andre Drummond to be something that he cannot be or that the shooting failures show up at, at a wrong time or that you're now relying on, all right, well, let's compensate for the shooting, so let's play Ben McLemore. Yeah, some minutes but but he's actively bad on on defense and that single breakdown of how many times have we seen lebron say oh that guy's in the game for offense guess who i'm targeting defensively right and i'm going to keep targeting you and targeting you and targeting you until you the weak link breaks the chain Right. And how many times have we talked about in in a playoff series that it is about it is about limiting your own weaknesses and exploiting the other team's weaknesses. Right. And if 
if to get back to the point I was making earlier in the pod, if you actively have players who maybe have more weaknesses, right? But their talents where their strengths are are stronger, the other coaches aren't necessarily as worried about what they are going to be worried about the 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 level of strength in which exists there, right? Like, oh, how can we battle them on the boards? How how can we keep them off 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 of the paint or or out of the paint? But oh, this dude is bad in this specific area. We're going to target that. And this other guy is bad in this specific area. We're going to tar- target that. And then your adjustments have to skew more and more in that direction. There's just, there are just things that I'm like, man, this is trickier. And it's, and yeah. it's going to be harder, I think, than, than the simple acknowledgement or blanket statement that LeBron and AD at their best can fix it all. I do think that's possible too, but... Again, I just want to I just want to stress the point that there's enough there where I'm just like it's I'm I'm questioning it a little bit more than what I was 6 months ago when the season started. And your and your points are fair and well taken. Um I think my point coming back is that there are still fewer concerns for them than there are for any other team. And that's been my point all along. So all, all of the stuff that you're saying, of course, yes, it's not you, – you just detailed many of them. But I, this is one to, – to kind of summarize this, Pete, it all goes back to the time, my first time on the Laker plane in 2008 coming in and being like, hey, wait, you guys realize you have the best team, right? And everybody in the plane was talking about all these concerns and, oh, well, what, Boston's going to be back. And if you said, what, LeBron James and the Western, how are we going to get to the finals? I'm like, no, you have the, you have the best team. You have the best team. You have Kobe and Powell and Lamar. Bynum's coming back healthy. Ariza's coming back healthy. It's the best team. Is it perfect? No, but it's the best team. That's all. We have very high expectations and we are neurotic. And part of the reason why we've won titles, I think, is there's this pervasive focusing on the details and everything. The stuff that Darius is talking about is very important. And there is a, a lack of cohesiveness and togetherness that we've been talking about over the course of several pods that does matter over the course of the playoffs in particular. And when teams can really zero in on your weaknesses, a lack of togetherness or a likelihood that these two players might miscommunicate on a defensive possession, those are very real things. That said, I have not seen this team say it's go time yet my internal clock is saying that it is at that point but when i'm seeing lineups with tht and ben mclemore and keith uh and and our and trez our our four worst defensive players all on the court at the same time and we have all of these games where this guy will sit and then that guy will come in the game because we want to give guys some looks We've got AD going through a very natural process of getting himself back up to speed, the incorporation of new players that do have limitations, right? Like none of the the things that Darius said are are wrong in that respect, but they do not seem to possess the same urgency that I possess. And they have earned a certain degree of benefit of the doubt with me in being able to carry this forward through completion the in last season i'm talking about the leadership of this team sure. of deciding this is the time when that we need to lock in when we need to really come together and 
perhaps that is a great deal of arrogance where just like Darius said, it's the boxer that is feeling super confident and that's smiling. Who's that dude? Masvidal or something like that. That was smiling three seconds earlier and then just got rocked, you know, a few seconds later. Yeah. We might be that boxer. I, now, I just think it's experience, it. though, Pete. That's the that's the LeBron point I meant. It's experience. For, like that's why they sure. haven't they haven't gone gone into full throttle yet. And, and I think even Darius is saying that there's it's more likely that 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 is what what ends up happening, right? But but when teams as talented as this Lakers team do lose and and don't get all the way, it's often because a certain degree of taking things for granted and not being on the same page. And so I do think these warning signs are important, that they're uh that they are real and they aren't just Laker fan neurosis and paranoia. There are real things. Yeah. And just to close out my my thoughts about that is is this be, because of the nature of this season because of all of the ins and outs and all of the fits and starts and especially because of the injuries we just don't have this is a fundamentally different team than the team that even started the season right like Marcus Saul is no longer even in the lineup. And because of the injuries, players have sort of shifted their games and taken on roles that are a bit different than what you would expect them to take when LeBron and AD are there. And for large portions of the season. It's not just for a week, right? Yeah. It's for a long time. AD missed over two months and LeBron's going to miss close to two months by the time that 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 he's back that's n those are not insignificant stretches and as i always look at a team as like it's it's organic man like it's 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 not numbers on a piece of paper it's 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 why the best analysts look at the they they look at the numbers and they do deep dives, but they also just watch a ton of games and then they watch a ton of tape because it's the synthesis of both. And and so it, there there's an organic progression and evolution that happens over the course of of a season. And the very nature of this specific season with these specific players, they they just simply have not had the time. And Pete, last pod, you made like the cake analogy, right? About like, is there enough time to sort of bake this thing? Like I watch a show called Chopped, like on the Food Network, right? Like here's a basket of ingredients and you have 30 minutes to make the best meal that you can possibly make. And there are times where people bust out this plate and it's just like, this is like, the judges are like, this is one of the best things I've ever eaten. This is great. And then another guy makes something and it's just like, oh yeah, one of the basket ingredients, I forgot to include it. Mm -hmm. Right. Because and maybe if he had three hours instead of 30 minutes, it would be just it, as good as the, as the other plate. Exactly. And, and, and we're approaching a point in the season where I, I would have just wanted more reps and you can't get that time back. And so the team has in, in its own organic way, the team has evolved and it has changed and it, and, and it's taken a certain form that now you're going to drop these ingredients back in very late in the game. And they're not key ingredients 
or, or they're, like they're not minor ingredients. They are key ingredients, right? It's, it's like, yeah, so we've got these sides and we've got this, this, that, that, and the other. But guess who's coming back? The meat and the potatoes, right? And, and so now that changes the structure of your entire meal. And, and I'll be, I'm just interested in, in seeing how that organically comes together in in this last stretch because in the roles that the guys are currently in i've seen enough of the hmm that sure. gives me pause to just if to to just think that oh well once all once the key guys are back that totally disappears it's like you've pulled back a little bit too much of the curtain here for me and can lebron and ad fix it of course they can they're LeBron James and Anthony Davis. It's just that it's trickier to me than than just that. And and I just wanted to again acknowledge that that that's sort of where my head is at right now. And that's the story that we're going to see continue play out. I'm really curious about this game on Wednesday against Washington. They've been playing great. They just dropped one uh, in overtime against San Antonio, but they had just won nine of 10. I, I cannot wait to see Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal against Anthony Davis and Andre Drummond on the defensive end, because that's really more of how defense works than the them against our guards. Of course, Dennis will be part of that. Hopefully Alex plays, but um yeah, that's that's I think going to be a real test of our pick and roll defense, of our defense against high scoring and, and ball handling guards. But until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Bad next for the winner. It's on the way. Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. Back with his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two. Miss it. Unbelievable. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes. With a little tough to Albert Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.